Hello, my name is Melissa Hoffman. I'm a public health associate at the Medical Society of the State of New York, and I'm joined today by Dr. Ariel Nassim. Dr. Nassim is a specialist in internal and sports medicine and is a MISNI member from Great Neck, New York. Currently, he is in Tokyo at the Summer Olympics treating Olympic athletes. We will be discussing Dr. Nassim's experience in Tokyo at the 32nd Summer Olympic Games. Welcome, Dr. Nassim. Thank you for having me. Can you please tell me what a typical day is like for you at the Olympics, or are they all different and a little bit more organic? Well, most of the days start pretty much the same, usually up by about 6.30 in the morning, get a little stretch in, get breakfast, and then head my way over to our clinic that we've set up in the USA building here in the Athletes Village. We have a conference call at that point with all the medical staff throughout all the sites. That includes physicians, our chief medical officer, our medical director at the village itself, as well as athletic trainers, physiotherapists, chiropractors, in addition to other providers for the athletes. At that meeting, we've been reviewing a lot of the COVID numbers, both back in the States, locally in Japan, as well as isolated down to the athlete village and further broken down to Team USA and usually discussing how many COVID positive cases we've had in the last 24 hours, including any close contacts they've had, and how many people we currently have in isolation or quarantine. Once that meeting finishes up, then we'll move on to really prepare the clinic for the day, make sure the facilities are set up for the athletes with everything they might need. And then over the next couple of hours, we'll also set up a schedule in terms of who's going to be at which venues, if there's specific venues or sports that'll need a physician present. One of the physicians will make their way out there. Often we'll have one or two of the physicians back in the clinic just because we'll have flow of patients throughout the day that might need assistance coming in. Some of those athletes won't go out at all. Some of them are staying in the village over the course of the day or they're coming in and out of the village. So it's always important to have staff in the actual clinic. That will take us really through the day. Most of our schedules, you know, the medical team itself will usually break up, but most of us are in the clinic till around 10 p.m. at night. Now, obviously, we're not working full time throughout that day. There's obviously some low points where we're not as busy, but we're really present at all times because you never know when someone might need something. Just today, we get a call of someone who injured their knee out at one of the venues and they just got back to the village. So they, they need care immediately very often, and that's what they expect at this level. So it's really on us to make sure that we're giving them that level of care and realize it's not only the athletes. I mean, we have coaches, we have trainers, we have medical personnel that have come with some of the teams as well. So we have a wide variety. We have administrative staff here with the Olympic Committee. So we're here for everybody. We're here for all of Team USA, essentially. And if any of them need us, we're here for them, whether it's an orthopedic issue, whether it's a medical condition that's arisen. So we're here for them. And it's really a full time from 8 or 8.30 in the morning till 10 at night, we're here. And then I'm currently on call as well. So anything overnight, which a couple of instances already during the games now, where it's overnight that we have something come up that the on-call physician will need to get a call and the medical team will need to attend to an issue. Sounds like a very, very full schedule. Just to branch off of that question, you had mentioned 
all of the COVID protocols, do you think that that's significantly altered this Olympic Games? You know, I, I think it obviously altered it enough that it doesn't perhaps feel like a typical Olympics for those that have gone through this in the past. But at the same time, the games are going on and the athletes are able to participate in what they've worked their entire lives for. So if there's some protocols in place, all of our lives have changed in the last 12 months. You know, my medical office doesn't function the same way and hospitals aren't functioning the same way. At the end of the day, they're providing the care they need. My office is providing all the medical care my patients require, but with protocols in place that are different than before. And likewise here, these are protocols that I think have been necessary to allow the games to happen safely. And I think they've been pretty good till now. Thankfully, no one's gotten very sick. Any positives have really been isolated immediately. And I think it's been a safe games in that regard. And the thing that tells us it was efficient was really the fact that the athletes are competing and they're really doing what they came here to do. And that's to compete for gold medals and compete against other great athletes from other countries. Thank you, Dr. Nassim. Now move on to our next question. What has been your biggest medical challenge in Tokyo? I, I think going back to the COVID issue, I think that's been one of the bigger issues, not so much with COVID itself, or rather it's the coordination that's been required. So much time and energy has had to go, go into the COVID coordination in terms of testing protocols, logistics of isolating those that are positive, quarantining those that are close contacts of those individuals that tested positive. There's a great amount of manpower that's gone into all that coordination, and we see it on a daily basis. And I say it's unfortunate that all the energy can't be put elsewhere, but at the same time, we know that it's necessary to make sure that the games are safe and the games are happening. So, you know, that's probably one of the biggest medical challenges we've encountered here. But really outside of the COVID precautions, which frankly, we wear masks everywhere around the athlete village. We get tested every morning, but those are one small part of our day. The remainder of our day has really remained the same as what it was at the Pan Am Games when I last covered there, which is a similar sort of large venue sports event. So once you take those out of the equation, we really have similar medical care we're providing, similar sort of experiences we're providing. And then the Olympic Committee puts together a polyclinic in the Athlete Village. So they've been fantastic in terms of providing other options for things that we can't provide with regards to any medical care that we can't provide ourselves. If there's medical equipment we don't have, if there's medications we don't have, we've really turned to them to step in. And they've been fantastic and they've really stepped up big time in terms of being there for us anytime we did need something. Excellent. Moving on to the next questions. Are there any public health lessons to be learned from your experience at the Tokyo Olympics? You know, I was thinking about this earlier that my JV basketball coach had a line he used to always mention, and it's come up in my life multiple times since. And it's, if you fail to prepare, you're preparing to fail. I think it's most telling here is that the amount of preparation that's gone in in the last 12 to 15 months since it was first postponed for the Olympics, you can tell they've put all their energies into figuring out how to make the games happen. And again, all of that going around the COVID issue. 
but they've really stepped up for it. A lot of the issues that come up often you can't expect or you can't plan for it particularly, but I think when you have a good team in place, good leadership that we got in place, a lot of those unexpected things that might come up throughout the games are managed a bit easier than they would be if you didn't have that leadership kind of making sure the pieces are in the right places at the right time. Great. Thank you again, Dr. Nassim. And how has your dual training in both internal and sports medicine helped in Tokyo? You know, interestingly enough, I find my training is internal medicine and sports medicine, but thankfully we have a team of phenomenal providers. And whether it's a chiropractor, an athletic trainer, a physical therapist, orthopedic surgeon, the people on board with the medical team for Team USA are really well-rounded, very knowledgeable, very good at what they do. And they kind of understand what sports medicine entails and that you really have to come ready to provide anything the athletes might need. For me in particular, my orthopedic training or my sports medicine training allows me to evaluate an Achilles injury, a meniscus injury, which often you can see in the athlete population, musculoskeletal issues. But again, going back to the fact that we have staff, we have coaches, and often they can be in their 40s, 50s, 60s, you see more of those medical conditions arise. I've had treated cellulitis, skin infection. There have been times where you're dealing with gastrointestinal issues. You're dealing with upper respiratory tract infections. I know at a prior games, one of the orthopedic surgeons was mentioning that they had a stroke that they had to deal with. So we got to remember, just because it's an athlete population, not the only thing walking through the door is orthopedic issues. Rather, it's anything that could go wrong in someone's health could present at that given time. So I think they value having an internist on board to kind of turn to with a little more of the complex medical issues. But at the same right, while I can evaluate and treat many of the musculoskeletal issues, it's great having some very well-trained I would say nationally and internationally known orthopedic surgeons I can turn to to make sure we're bringing the top orthopedic care to the athletes as well. Sounds like the array of things that may come up are quite vast. That leads us into the next question. Mental health has been in the spotlight throughout these games and multiple sports. Are there mental health professionals amongst your team caring for the Olympians? Yeah, you know, in the last couple of years, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee has really put a big focus on providing high-quality mental health to their athletes. It's it's become a hot topic in society in general, especially in the course of the pandemic. We've spoken more and more about mental health, and it's ever-present. Athletes are not immune to that either. So I think certainly there's the pressures of being in a high-stakes situation. But at the same time, they've worked their whole lives for this moment. puts a little bit of an added pressure on. This is the first games, I believe, that the Olympic Committee has brought two mental health officers with them. So they're here full time. It's Cody Commander and Thomas Mick, and, and both physicians who are here really full time just as mental health officers to provide mental health services to Team USA, to the athletes that might need it. And just having them available has been a huge asset. A lot of times people think of only mental health emergencies that you need people like that for. But on the contrary, I think just having them to talk to some athletes that look a little more stressed, that might have some sleep issues. They've been 
very savvy in terms of helping with some of those subtle issues and making sure if there's anything going on, catching it early, not to turn into something a little bit bigger. So they've been huge assets for Team USA. I think moving forward, the Olympic Committee, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee is really putting a much bigger emphasis on mental health, rightly so. And I I think it's going to go a very long way in terms of having athletes even perform better in the long run. That is so encouraging. I'm really happy to hear that the focus has been on encouraging mental health. Thank you again, Dr. Nassim. And we're going to move on to the next question. And this has to do with just certain things that we've seen throughout these Olympic Games, such as the U.S. women's gymnastic team cheering on the Russian Olympic Committee team or track and field athletes helping each other cross the finish line. And I want to know if you think that the outpouring of camaraderie amongst the athletes is unique to this Games. I can't speak for prior Olympic Games. I can tell you what I've witnessed, and it's kind of one of the most amazing parts of the Games is really having these athletes who are coming from all sorts of places around the world, different backgrounds, different religions, different belief systems, and they're here competing at the highest level. And it's really a beautiful thing to see when you see, for instance, an Iranian who previously was not allowed to compete against an Israeli now win a medal and dedicate the medal to the Israelis. These are the sorts of things that you can see people are kind of climbing past certain stereotypes, looking past sort of belief systems, religious backgrounds. And it really goes a long way to say what these games are all about. Before I came, I told some people how hopefully the games are a pillar of light that we can look forward to and hopefully come out of this pandemic with. And I think some of these stories are the kinds of things that you really look forward and realize these are the things that bring beauty to life, to make society so beautiful, how the world works collaboratively to come to games like this and put something on for everyone's enjoyment. I walk around the athlete village and there's not a night that doesn't go by where you see an entire delegation kind of line up in front of their building as someone comes back to their building with a gold medal around their neck. And it's just that sense of pride, sense of nationality, but at the same time, that sort of respect we see amongst different nations for each other while they're here. It's just a very nice thing to see, and it's been amazing to be a part of it. I can well imagine it's such an incredible opportunity. We're going to conclude this podcast with a question about what is your favorite Olympic sport? Ah, tough question. I think I'm going to have to go with the most recent one I watched because it was incredible. I think it's uh, the first year it's in the Olympics. So sport climbing, which, like I said, is new to the Olympics, is incredible. I I think I saw them scale up a 30-foot wall in less than six seconds. (laughs) I mean, they're doing some incredible things, and it's really enjoyable to watch. But I'll tell you, just I have a newfound appreciation for a lot of the sports I don't normally get to watch either. There's table tennis which when you watch up close is even more impressive. Archery, when you realize how close of a target they're really aiming for from, I think it's 70 yards away, I could be mistaken, but huge distances. And the difference between gold and silver, I believe, is 0.1 centimeters. So you, you see every sport has its own nuances, but its own sort of enjoyment in a different way. It's just been, it's been great to be a part of this all and kind of see a lot of the different sports I don't normally get to be a part of. Again, I think sports are that amazing place where, you know, religion, belief system, 
a political stand. None of that stuff matters when you get to sports, right? It's everything else goes aside. There's a camaraderie, there's a brotherhood, there's a and sisterhood. There's so many things that come from sport that I think are important, especially for little kids growing up. I've got three little ones at home and I, I, I was a product of sports. I was a big basketball and tennis player. I played tennis in college and that did so much for me in terms of teaching me leadership skills, team building. Like I said, with camaraderie in terms of building that team sort of spirit with others that I think sports provide a lot of that stuff outside of what the sport itself is actually doing. Such a big part of society and nice to see that this is kind of the, the top level of where that gets to. Yes, absolutely. Again, thank you. Medical Society is incredibly grateful that you were available to speak with us and we are incredibly proud of your position at the Olympic Games. Well, I'm very proud of being a part of the Medical Society. It's been a great ride. I appreciate all the support the Medical Society has shown me, in particular, a former president, Art Fugner. So I really want to put a shout out to him for all that he's done as well and hope to be a part of the society for years to come. Thank you for everything. Excellent. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We encourage you to please check out all of Misney's podcasts. They range in topics from our weekly update on governmental affairs to emergency preparedness, a variety of COVID topics, as well as Veterans Matters topics and vaccines. Have a great day.